0: I did Christmas Oranges, Christmas for a Dollar, Miracle Maker, The Christmas Project. Those were based on books.
1: The voice you just heard belongs to Sally Meyer, who met with me over Zoom in the stay-at-home quarantine of April 2020 to talk about getting her creative juice back, writing screenplays versus writing novels, adapting narrative fiction for the screen, and more. I'm your host, Liz Christensen, and it's all in the telling. Welcome to episode 37 with my guest, Sally Meyer. In addition to being a popular screenwriter, Sally has mothered a young actress, produced, directed casting, and photographed headshots and behind the scenes. So tell me how, how quarantine time is affecting you as a writer and your work.
0: At first, it was difficult. I had too much time on my hands, and I didn't have the... I generally tend my two little granddaughters. And so it was like I made time because I knew I wouldn't have time, but now I have all the time in the world It's like, well, I'll do that tomorrow I'll read a book or binge on Netflix and you know but then Dave Fresnahan he's a local um in the film industry, and he asked me to like script edit one of his scripts he's doing and Then he's doing table read, so I got involved in that, and it suddenly sparked my spark back. It's like, oh, I love this, and so I started writing. I I, our last interview, I'd written a book, and I decided that I'm making it into a screenplay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, because it's I, I don't know if it's if you start as a novelist, you can't do screenwriting, and maybe you can, but I feel like as a novelist it's harder than visually I can see it in my brain when I'm doing a, a script
1: did you take the the story completely through the process of making
0: it a novel and then decide that you wanted to
1: go yes screenplay?
0: yeah well it was when I was doing the first like you know you write it and you vomit all the words on the page and everything yeah and then I was going into my first rewrite, and I just, I'm like, oh, why don't I just make this into a screenplay? And it's just so much easier. So I have the whole story, which is actually evolving now. It's becoming, because I'm in my screenwriter brain, and more ideas are coming. It's odd. It's, it's crazy. But so I'm really excited to write it. And and I'm working on a script that I've had written, and I'm looking into getting distribution. And so I'm tweaking that. So I'm I'm kind of back in the saddle. I feel like after being sidelined with COVID.
1: What is it? Do you think about those table reads that sort of kickstarted you up again?
0: Well, I think before the table reads actually helping Dave, yeah. you know, he's, he's got a really great script, and he just needed. Ideas, and it was just reading his script that reminded me, and I guess reminded my subconscious. Hey, you know, I want to do that again. And then the table read, just seemed its kind of like because you're lonely in isolation. I've got my husband, of course, but you know, there's only so much you're going to talk about. And just seeing all people that I knew on the Zoom—I'm new to Zoom, didn't even know what Zoom was—and so just seeing people that I know like Susan Phelan and Rob Andrus were, and it was like, I didn't feel quite as alone. And I think that poked me out because I, I did, I did think I went into some kind of a little depression of worry and anxiety. And because I'm the age where they say, you know, you could die because you're over 65. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I think I'm healthy, but you just never know. And so there's that, like, I'm missing my grandchildren, which I've, that's really hard to be taken from these two children that you love. And all my grandchildren, I haven't been able to hug them since February 28th. And it's hard, really hard. Anyway, that kick-started me back in the saddle. And now instead of just sitting and watching Netflix, I'm actually writing.
1: Is there anything from putting that story through a novel process first that is now changing the
0: way that you approach it as a screenplay? Yes, because it's, I don't remember how many words, it's like 70,000 words. Well, you know, there's a lot of description in a novel because it's, it's visual as you read it, but you read, you know, you're imagining in your mind. But for a screenwriter, you have to put it into brief action lines. And so every word counts in a screenplay because you're trying to aim for that 90 page screenplay. It helps me because it's got actually a very detailed treatment because usually when I start an idea, I start writing like a one line treatment of what happens on page one, page two, but just briefly, and then I go back and things evolve. But I have this abundance of stuff, so it's easy. It's like, okay, where I'm at? okay, I'll just pop that in and but it does change. It has evolved different scenarios because it's a screenplay. And it's it's weird because it's all in my head already. Usually I don't have it all in my head, but because I wrote the story, I do have have it in my head. I'm just saying I might do that, write a book and then turn it into a screenplay. Maybe not. It's a lot of work to write a book. I don't know how people do it, but I am using the majority of the story, but condensing for... The screen which I'm sure what people do when they adapt a book to a screenplay I mean you can't put every tiny detail so you pick the things that are more visual and put those in and so I'm really enjoying that and I never thought I would you know approach a screenplay that way but my two daughter-in-laws, we did this challenge in January to write a novel, 50,000 words or more. And so we were just doing it totally, totally every day, like slamming. Yeah, I'm doing it. It made me realize it's not easy to be a novel writer, but it's help, it's been helpful.
1: As you take this novel story into a screenplay, are you operating out of your head because it's all in there? Or are you referring often back to what, you, you know, those 70,000 words?
0: So, I'll start and then it will evolve. But then, when I start to think what, then I refer back to, and it could be like quite a few pages in because I've added my own, well, that didn't work and this didn't work in the story. So, it's definitely not going to work in the screenplay. And so, it's been fun. It really has. And I really, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like my mood has lifted because I'm creating again when. I think March when everything shut down and it was like you can't do this you can't do that and and the fear my husband has diabetes so he's really worried about getting it and so trying to protect him but also I have to go out once a day I take I go to the dog park I have to get out or I'd go crazy <laughs> and then go on walks but I'm trying hard not to go to the store which is still like really hard, as you know, you're living it. We're all living this craziness that is like, wow. I I thought maybe I should write a COVID screenplay because I actually am on this um, website where, you know, producers come and ask for certain things and then you submit. And there was one I told my friend, she's like, no, nobody's gonna wanna watch a movie about COVID-19. So I decided to, you know, shelve that idea.
1: One of the things that I've been reading is some of the like Hollywood insider industry stuff. And I was wondering do you think that people going forward will watch movies even comfortably in their own homes, right? Let's take the social distancing part of it away from the audience perspective. Um, Okay. But do you think there's any part of going forward where you as a writer or a storyteller are going to have to be? conscious of adding things into your character's psyche because this moment has kind of imprinted that for us as audience like like characters washing hands or like coughing right
0: yeah i i'm still like wondering how we're all going to go back to being the way we were i'm not i'm not saying it's normal because it's the new normal but I'm just like, I'm not sure on that. I'm not sure if it will, I may write to, you know, not have people have kissy-huggy scenes and stuff, or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just hoping that, I'm still kind of hoping to wake up and it was like just a really long dream and everything's fine because it's hard to cope.
1: I want you to tell me about how you became a screenwriter because you have, I think, the most excitingly fortuitous story about your
0: first feature film i didn't even realize i could write i used to write poetry and stuff when i was younger you know how we all do and then um, my daughter caitlin she got into acting at about age four into theater and then went into film and as she got older the roles that she was asked to do we did the la scene we went to pilot season we went for the summer and it's different in la than it is in utah and there was you know she i think it was when she was around 14 we um we went to this audition and we drove all the way there we, we drove all the way to california it was a se- like 700 mile trip and there were some lines in the you know that's not our standards world yes and and happy that we're LDS, and there are standards that you have, and I know that it's being a character, it's not you saying that, but I also feel like it is you saying that, in a way, and that's just me, and so she had this audition where she had to say some words that she doesn't, never says even, like, I'm not saying she's brilliant, but she will never do anything when she's, tw- you know, she's 28 years old now. But um, so she said, I'm just going to substitute the words. And I'm like, okay, you know, go for it. And all the other girls went in, you know, you're waiting in the audition. All the other girls went in and she, and they would in. I would say maybe, you know, three or four minutes and not usually huge. And she went in and was out in like a minute. And so she <laughs> said, I don't think they liked me saying brat instead of what she was supposed to say and so I said you know what okay we drove back 700 miles and we had a lot of time to think about it and she said I that's not what I want to do you know I want to be an actress but I want to do more wholesome things which I think you limit yourself but to her her moral fiber was more important than being a big actress and having to do many roles and stuff so I got this odd idea that maybe I should write for you know write really fun family films and and so I wrote a couple of film a couple of scripts and I remember sending one to TC Christensen who I adore and he's the sweetest man and he read it and he wrote back and he's like wow that was really good but where's your inciting event and you know where's this and when does your third act end he's like I don't want to he said it I remember the word I don't want to rag on your script Sally but and that's when I knew that I needed a lot more it's not something you you can just say I'm gonna do this and I joined some online writing groups And this one man, I don't know who it was and I don't know what group, but he read one of my scripts and he said, you're not a screenwriter yet, but you will be. And it gave me like, oh, I will. If I do the work, if I study, if I do what it takes, somebody said I can do it. And that that, just that one line was like, you will be. And I'm like, okay. And so I wrote a script And my friend John lied. He knew Caitlin from, like, she was in a couple of his films. And so I said, hey, I have this script. And if I raise the money with my friends, will you direct and produce it? And he's like, sure. And so, of course, I mean, he did have his director eye over the script and retweaked. But because he did that... I was able to make that script along with like some friends of mine. We all put in our money and, and getting money, as you probably know, is not easy for film. <laughs> Just a funny side story on that film. We were $45,000. We couldn't find it. And we needed to get it to the budget. John won't let me saying, but he always says it was under, say it's under a million dollars. So it was under a million dollars. Anyway, we had $45,000 that we needed to um raise i like Where am i gonna find this money so i went on craigslist about <laughs> like a little note like if anybody is interested in investing in a movie please um contact me well about i don't know a day later or something i got a note from craigslist like you know this ad has been taken off it's against all of the, the rules and stuff but i got an email from a lady and she said I saw your ad on Craigslist. I'm super interested. Please email me. You will not be disappointed. So I emailed her and she invested the 45,000 and went on to invest in another film and I'm like, "Whoa." But anyway, because of that 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 film did quite well and then John lied introduced me to Ron Bruff at Covenant and they wanted to write Christmas Oranges from a book and she said, what do you think? Are you interested? I'm like, yes, I'm interested. And so things kind of snowballed from there.
1: How many of the things that you've written would you say, like, do you do more of your own stories or more adaptations of books for your screenplays?
0: Okay, so the first two from my own head. Well, actually, no, minor details was Ken Able from they used to be Lightstone, I think it was. don't quote me on that, but they did liken they did liken the scriptures, and they hadn't an, they had the idea of the four girls in a boarding school and asked you know I wrote the script, and then they couldn't produce it, so then I took it to John. that's how that happened. It's been a long time and um so that was my own it was. It was like an idea given to me, but then I went with it and created what, what the script was. And The You're So Cupid was my idea. And then, so Christmas Oranges, Christmas for a Dollar, and um, The Miracle Maker were based on short, very short stories, probably about 15 pages at the most. And so then I was given that book and asked to elaborate on that story i've really enjoyed doing i've really enjoyed that christmas project was based on the books by marion buckley that was uh, bullies in the headlights and chicken in the headlights novel and so i used the car- their char- his characters and created some of my own and then i've got a couple of three or four scripts that i've got that i've written just my own stories I think I prefer my own stories a little bit more. I do enjoy having an idea like like Christmas Oranges was an awesome book by Linda Beathers and Anne Apton was um, Miracle Maker and then Gail Sears was Christmas for a Dollar. And what is really wonderful doing that is you get to meet the author. And see their delight at seeing their story come to life. And well, you know, I'm, I'm good friends with um with those authors still. Yeah, I think I prefer writing myself because I have the liberty to create more. And so I wrote a story, a short film, He Knows My Name, which is up there as one of my most favorite, because I it was a challenge because I had to, it was about the savior and so that was hard putting words in his mouth in the film i I was like so super careful he really doesn't say much because i'm like i don't want to say any modern type thing that wouldn't work and so i basically pulled from scripture his lines because it was a very humbling experience and so it's definitely my favorite short film
1: when you're adapting particularly from a short story to a screenplay and maybe this is an oversimplified question but are you generally expanding because you are thinking of adding characters or are you expanding thinking from a plot perspective first like I need this much stuff to happen and so I'm going to introduce some new people to help make it happen.
0: Yes exactly you have to have a beginning middle and end so you, you know you in the story, like Christmas Oranges, you know, you have your orphan girl, and then at the end, they peel the oranges and share it. So you've got, and in the book, it's a short story, so it happens quickly, but you can't do that. So I had to think, I need to create something different to further the plot. So in Christmas Oranges, for instance, in the movie, there was a man who delivered the oranges every year. So I made him the brother of the owner of the orphanage. And then they had their backstory of, you know, why the orphanage guy was mean and why the brother was kind and, and brought it back to their backstory. When they were young, they were also in an orphanage. And Mr. Crampton, the mean guy, he was not a rule follower in the audience in the orphanage when he was a little boy. And so he got serious punishments. And so he was a rule follower. So I made, I wanted people to know why he was like, we must follow the rules. And in his ways, protecting the children because of what he did as a child. And so we had that backstory. And um, so, yeah, the plot comes in, and then you, and the characters just pop up. I don't know how. It's like I can sit at my computer and not know what I'm going to do with the scene and they tell me. For instance, in Miracle Maker, there was a little girl, the youngest girl in the family, and she had a very small part when we started, but then she was the impetus for all the cute things and and for me to be able to tell, not show. Because you do have to do that sometimes in, in the screenplay. You're not supposed to. But she could give the audience information I wanted them to know, but in a cute way, so it doesn't look like you're you're just telling the audience, hey, this happened." And so she grew <laughs> to be a, a much bigger character, and she would not stop until she got everything in her in her words. So and so, I I really think it is to ha- good to have that short story or that really good idea which i have a hard time coming up with a really good idea so for those books or those films that were made from books the idea was presented to me and i was able to just embellish it so i'm grateful for that because i have amazing stories to start with and i just had to add to it
1: when you're writing a screenplay obviously when you think it's done or ready to give you know, to producer, director, whatever, there's still writing that happens. So yes. tell me about your rewrites.
0: Okay. I love rewrites. And in fact, I'm after this, I'm going to, I'm pitching a script and so I'm going to go through and rewrite a little bit just to make sure I've covered all my bases and et cetera. But yes, it's an interesting relationship between writer and director because As a writer, you feel like it's mine, but it isn't yours because I guess it's like a plant. It's not finished growing. It's a seedling, but then you have to give it to someone else and say, hey, now I need your magic to make it come to life. But sometimes it's hard because you're like, they'll say, well, this has to be cut. And i like, no, 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 you can't cut that character. I love her. I love him. He's great. And he's funny. No, he has to go. And so it's kind of, I've learned, and I, I learned that from TC too, he, he's like, once you hand it to the director, the writer takes a back seat, which is hard for me. But over the years, I've learned that they know more than I do in that aspect. There's a lot of rewriting and I do not mind rewriting. In fact, I welcome somebody saying, man, that doesn't work. How about if you did this? And I'm like, why didn't I? It's crystal clear. Why didn't I do that? And I love to do that. I love to get that feedback. And I love it when directors allow me to come on set and see the magic because that, I love that.
1: How much um, time is your process, do you think, like, roughly start to finish? How long do you spend outlining and then writing and then rewriting?
0: It depends. If I have an idea, it can go very fast. Like, I think Christmas oranges I wrote in two weeks. It was like, it just came. My mother had passed away about a month before that, and I wasn't really sure if I wanted to take the job. I was really mourning for her. But I really think she was... Right there with me, and it turned it turned out wonderfully. And John was so kind. He said, "I asked him would you put in a dedication to my mom, and he said I certainly will." And he did. And that was a really great experience for me to have her with me, and then for him to do that was very kind. So, um, sometimes, like when COVID comes to call. You stop writing and, and you don't have any, like, I think there has to be a certain amount of joy in your heart to write. And like I said earlier, this has been very difficult for everybody. And, and I look around the world and it's like a hundred times more difficult for some people. I know I have shelter, I have food, I have still struggling to hug my grandchildren, but I, I should not be complaining at all but I'm I'm a tweaker too. I like, I'm like, it's brilliant. And then I'm like, wait, no. And there's so many times I have this really awful habit. Like I would send it to people who um, I want them to read it. And then I would, after I send I send it, I read through again. I'm like, Oh no, no, no. I need to. So then I say wait, don't read that one. Wait, I've got another one coming in a couple of hours. And then I send that off. But, <laughs> so I tend to, it's like, with anything you just keep fussing with it and then it comes to a point where you have to say it's done it's ready to send to somebody else to give it to them and let them say well this can change and then happy to write the changes and stuff
1: what's the hardest part of not the writing but the business aspect of being a screenwriter
0: getting paid what you're worth (laughs) because Like, if I was a WGA writer, the least amount I could get would be 30 times more than I do get. And so you have to say, okay, what other fringe benefits are there besides getting paid a decent fee for your script? And for me, luckily being in Utah, the fringe benefits of me is people will ask me to help cast the extras or something like that. And that is something I Love doing and so it's like okay well i'm not getting that but i'm all this joy
1: yeah you say um being in utah is because it's an independent
0: film um economy i think so i i just feel like because i know so many people in the industry that i can say hey you know i'd really love to come on set and do behind the scene photos you don't have to pay me just allow me to be there because. It's like everybody who is in film and you yourself are in film know the magical moments from starting the film to ending it. You become a family, and you just there's just something. I mean, you can drive home and you'll be like, "Oh man, well, I wonder what happened the rest of, you know in the rest of the world, because I'm in this world of creating. So to me, that's a fringe benefit. I may not make what I would love to make. But I'm getting things that are not monetary value, but for me, for my soul and for, and just to make new friends. I've made so many new friends or now are old dear friends from doing extra work and casting them and stuff. I would love one day to make really good money on a script so that I could have that security of like, wow, I've got, I've got a little nest egg for my retirement, you know. And in a way, be validated that your work is worth it. This is what the WGA says your work is if you're just a beginner. And it's not that Utah doesn't value it. It's just they have their budgets and you have to work within those parameters or you don't work. It's like, okay, we love your script, but we can't afford to make it if you get paid WGA rates. We just, that's half the budget, you know? Yeah. So... I don't have any regrets of anything that I've done, anything that I've earned.
1: How did you get started? Your behind-the-scenes photography is beautiful. How did you get started in doing that?
0: Well, I've always been a photographer ever since I came to America and, you know, got a camera. I mean, it, we grew up in England we're poor. I never had a camera. But I got a camera. And then when digital came along, I did wedding photography. I did children's photographies with film, which is always that panic, like, I hope this turns out because it's a wedding and people will want pictures. And luckily, I guess I had enough talent, but my brother-in-law introduced me to his digital camera. And when I saw that he could take a picture and you could actually see it. I'm like, oh, man, I have to have one of these. So I taught my husband to buy me one. But, and I did grandchildren and family. And then I started taking pictures on set of Caitlin when she was in her thing. And I just loved it. And you know what's the best thing about behind the scene photography is that some brilliant lighting man, what do they call the people that light it? The, the gaffer gaffer these amazing underappreciated gaffers that create this amazing light and you just go in there and pop a picture off and it's gorgeous because they have lit it so i just started doing that with caitlin's set and then i've been allowed to do it when i'm casting extras and when i'm on set with them i like to take pictures of them because sometimes you know, and I and I you know, I always ask permission first. But they love to see themselves as they are on set, and usually you're not allowed to flip out a cell phone, and and so that's kind of my little gift for them working so hard for extra wages. And so I just I I just love it. I think it's a amaz- It's an amazing opportunity to be able to create something. Because when are you ever gonna? Like, take a picture of Joseph Smith in the Grove of Trees. You're not going to, like, orchestrate that. Hey, let's go up in some Grove of Trees and take your picture. But you know what I mean? Like, I did Witnesses, and Camry Bagley was playing Emma, and she was the most beautiful Emma. You could just create the most beautiful portrait or almost painting because some amazing costumer has dressed her, and someone's done her hair, and it's beautiful. And so it makes you look good. It's like, wow, you're amazing, Sally. It's like, no, I have this whole arsenal of people that have created the situation. and I'm just there with my camera.
1: How did you get started into doing extras casting and
0: working all that out? I started that on Minor Details because we needed hundreds of students. And John's father worked at a junior high. And so John let me... Get the extras and stuff. And I found I really enjoy that because I love watching extras, how much they enjoy being on set. And from then on, every time I sell a script or if I see an opportunity, then I say, Hey, I would love to do extras casting if you don't already have someone. And then recently I worked on Out of Liberty with Garrett Batty, and he actually asked me to cast the whole film. And that was like so amazing because I got to sit by him in the casting room and see these amazing actors come in and give their, give their all, which I could never do. And for all you actors, if any actors are listening, it's never personal. It really isn't personal when you come in and we want you to be right. We want you, we look at you and we're like, man, I just hope that they can bring it. And it's like, just amazing, and so I had the best time on that film because I was able to cast the leads. I mean, Garrett, of course, had the final say, but he, he's such a gentleman, and he's like, well, what do you think, Sally? And I'm like, well, I think this. Really, I like that idea. And you know, you just—you just in this room creating. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I love the film industry. I mean, I love watching people how come on set and they all have their job and they do it so well and nobody's telling anybody what to do because they know what they're there for it's just like a well oiled machine it's really good i mean it's not always perfect but you know when you like ten extras don't show up and like ah but generally it's it's great i love it
1: what do you have for your goals going forward like uh, what kind of bucket list things have you got your eye on in terms of writing and film work
0: I have a few scripts I really like to write for older people and I've got a couple of especially older women for because I am an older woman there's so much there that you can glean from people who've had experience and I love and I think Hollywood is like done with you when you're I don't know what age 30 and then you're just like you go from A to B when you turn to be 31 or something but I love writing. I would love to, well, my real bucket list is if I won the lottery, which I never played the lottery. So I'm never going to do that, but just have enough money that I can say, Hey, I have my script. I have enough money to fund it myself. And I'm going to make films that I want to see made because you have your genres that sell. And some of my genres are not that, you know, they're just good dramas that are not like, bells and whistles and car crashes and zombies and stuff. I I actually hope there's filming up in heaven because it would be so great. It would be so awesome. You'd be like, thank you. Sally's enthusiasm, joy, and the attention she
1: pays to her craft delight me, like a refreshing ray of sunshine in a gloomy creative
0: time. If you are wanting to become a screenwriter, don't let anybody ever tell you that you can't. Because if this old lady can do it. You can do it. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of work. But if that's your desire, please know that you can do it. Thank you to my guest, Sally Meyer.
1: Thank you so much, Sally, for letting me invite okay. again and over Zoom and quarantine, which is unusual for both of us. <laughs>
0: right, right. Thank you to Liz so much. You can help more people
1: find In the Telling by leaving a review on Facebook, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast delivery platform. Find out more about In the Telling at LizzyLizzyLiz.com. Check out the In the Telling podcast channel on YouTube for bonus content. Theme music by Gordon Vitas. In the Telling is hosted and produced by me, Liz Christensen. Thank you for
0: listening.